Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Today is the last week in our Christmas series, God and Us. And allow me just a few minutes to kind of summarize the last couple weeks. So if you're new here, you don't feel like you're lost. Where is she going with this? Why is there a big board in front of her? Because, well, I'm wearing what I cannot pass off as a shirt today. It is actually a whole dress. What have you people done to me? So I'll try to act like a lady. Okay. The most quoted scripture around Christmas time, or at least during this series, has been Isaiah 7:14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So when I was putting this series together, God sparked my curiosity in the two different ways I've seen Emmanuel spelled. Sometimes it's spelled I-M-M-A-N. U-E-L, and sometimes it's spelled E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. Well, when I started digging into it, again, because I said God sparked my curiosity in that, I started looking at the old Hebrew way it was spelled and the old Greek way it was spelled because the Old Testament was, was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. So when I looked up the Hebrew way to spell Emmanuel, it was I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. So when I tore the word apart and looked up the Hebrew definition of the prefix I-M and the main subject being man and then the suffix U-E-L, in the Hebrew it is I-M means with, man being the subject, and the suffix U-E-L being the desire and will of God. And I did the same with the New Testament spelling. The Greek spelling of Emmanuel was E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. E-M in the Greek means in. So the best way to define the Old Testament, the Hebrew definition of I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, Emmanuel, is it is the desire and will of God to be with man in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Greek, the Emmanuel, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, is it is the desire and will of God to be in man. Notice the separation between the Old Testament God with man and the New Testament God in man is when God became man. See, the whole series has been about God and us. God's desire and will was to be with man. God's desire and will was to be in man. In order to do that, he had to come and become man. And that's what we'll be talking about today as we wrap up the series. But what we did is the first week, I kind of just laid a foundation for the series. And we talked about because God builds upon his word, line upon line, precept upon precept. When he wrote the Old Testament, he didn't then get out his big eraser and erase the Old Testament when he wrote the New Testament. No, he laid a foundation that he built upon, and that's how his word comes. If you don't believe me, look up the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus was preaching, it's supposed to be the best sermon, the Beatitudes, he laid line upon line, precept upon precept. He said, you've heard it said, well, in other words, the law says don't commit murder. I say, don't even hate in your heart. 
See, he was laying line upon line, precept upon precept. It's not just about the outward. God doesn't just want to be with you. He wants to be in you. And so I laid a foundation of a relationship. you got to figure out who is God to you in order to understand God with you or God in you or even that God became you. You first got to find out and understand and really discover who is God to you. Relationship is what takes you from the questioning to knowing. It takes you from guessing to not just believing, but it's trusting. I mean, the testimonies that was given this morning wasn't about, oh, I hope that. It's I believe God is faithful. He will do what he promised. He says, I can't outgive him. I know that he'll take care of me if I give this. But you've got to know who God is to you. God's desire and will is to have a personal relationship with you. And so you have to know that and understand that before any of this other stuff can begin to be understood. The second week, Pastor Neil took us through Genesis to Revelation, explaining how God's desire and his will is to be with man. Emmanuel, to be with man. And then last Sunday, I shared week three, God in us. Believers are temples of God. We house the very spirit, the spirit of God, the breath of God. I shared what the Holy Spirit is not. And then I shared what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, I wrapped it up into the top four. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal God to us. It's to glorify Jesus through by guiding us into all truth. He gives us the ability to do and the ability to be all that he created us for and he commands us to do. And he's also the seal and the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing our eternity. If you don't step into the fullness of God's Spirit in you, you are choosing not to unwrap this very precious gift. I mean, tomorrow's Christmas. Could you imagine sitting with the ones you love? And if you're a gift giver, one of my love languages is gifts. So I love gifts. I love giving them. I love receiving them. I love to hear the story behind them. As a matter of fact, if there's no story behind them, does it really mean anything? You know, there's got to be, I want details, people, details, right? But imagine sitting with the people you love and somebody, you know, and they took time and they wrapped this all up. And as they're explaining what's in the box, they're saying everything you ever desired and will ever need the rest of your life is contained in this one box. Here you go. And you take the gift and you go, oh, thank you. And set it down. I'd be like pacing the floor, staring at that gift. When are you going to open that gift? When are you going to open that gift? Don't you want to open that gift? Open that gift. I am terrible at Christmas time because I want to give them their gifts early. Brian's had to hold me back, and he's actually like, I will. So we've kept them unwrapped until just last night, and then he's wrapping them, and he loaded them in the vehicle right away. I'm like, <laughs> but God does it. He gives you a very precious gift, and then he says, open it. But we just want to say, you know what, kind of, I don't understand it all about this Holy Spirit, so I'll just set it on the shelf. He's like, everything you need is there. 
You can't do it on your own, and God knew you couldn't. That's why he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's his righteousness in you, God in you. So again, today we're going to wrap up the series by focusing on God became us. Between these two seemingly impossible tasks or uh, impossibilities of Emmanuel, God with us, and Emmanuel, God in us, is this remarkable statement that brought these two worlds together. God became us. In Isaiah chapter 9, just going to read one verse to you today. And I know, I trust that God's word is living and active. And it is powerful and effective. And this one verse is going to change your life. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. In his book, God Came Near, Max Licato writes, It all happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment. As moments go, that one appeared no different than any other. It came and it went. It was one of the countless moments that have marked time since eternity became measurable. But in reality, that particular moment was like none other. For through that segment of time, a spectacular thing occurred. God became man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent, in one instant, made himself breakable. He, who had been spirit, became pierceable. He, who was larger than the universe, became an embryo. And he, who sustains the world with a word, chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as a fetus. Holiness, sleeping in a womb. The creator of life, being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. God became man. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused, and dirty. No silk, no ivory, no hype. No party, no hoopla. Were it not for the shepherds, there would have been no reception. And were it not for a group of stargazers, there would not have been any gifts. Angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. Children played in the streets with him. He may have had pimples and dust-filled hair. One thing's for sure, he was While completely divine, he was completely human. 
For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I ever will feel. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was picked on and left out. He was susceptible to hunger. He got colds. He got hot. He burped. He had body odor. He got his feelings hurt. His head ached. To think of Jesus in such a light seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It's uncomfortable. Oh, it's much easier to keep humanity out of the incarnation. There is something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant, packaged, and untouchable. But don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't do it. Let him in. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and muck of your world. For only if you let him in can he pull you out. It all happened in one moment. A most remarkable moment. God became man. Again, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Let's look at that for a second. For unto us. He picked up the package. And right there on the tag, it says to you. To you. To you. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. The present, the gift, God becoming man was for you. John 3.16, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. For who? For you. For you. So that everyone, anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. To everyone, to anyone, to you, a child is born. God's plan to send Jesus to become man was set even before the creation of the world. Now that's a story behind the gift. It didn't just pop in his head. Hey, let's do this. When? Right now. No, before the creation of the world, he began putting a plan in motion to do what? To give to you. Says 1 Peter 1.20, says he, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. What? For your sake. For you. Father God knew that we, his created, would need to be rescued from sin and death in order to bring us back to him, to the original relationship he had in mind for us. God and us, with him, in him. So he prepared, even before the creation of the world, a plan. His one and only son, the very best gift he could offer, wrapped in a manger for you. 
For unto us a child is born, completely and fully man. God became man. The creator became created. Why? Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. God's one and only son, born to die. Why? So that we could receive adoption. I used to tell our youngest, because he came into our house so young, he didn't understand until he started hearing conversations of the other boys, that he didn't, wasn't carried in my belly. He was adopted. And so he would always ask little questions. Well, as little ears, you know, you can only give them what they can handle at that time. And so I used to tell him, God searched the world to give us the best gift he could give us because we love him so much. And that's why he brought you and your brothers to us. You are our best gift. An adoption as heartbreaking as those before stories can be is an amazing thing. Because it takes the broken, the bruised, the unloved, the lost, the abandoned... And redeems them, scoops them up out of the mire, cleans them up, dresses them up, and then holds them tight, giving them then all the rights as a son or a daughter. Adoption is amazing. And God says, You want to know why I came? To redeem you. We all have before stories. But we can be adopted, redeemed, for unto us. God redeems all of mankind for whosoever will accept God's one and only Son shall be adopted as God's son, as God's daughter. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Completely and fully God. God became man. In John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. God gave his best. Think about it. He could have sat back, shrugged his shoulders, looked at Jesus and said, Well, oh well, son, we tried. We gave them everything and they chose to run from us. Living their life without us. Oh well, we tried. I mean, haven't we done that at one time in our life? Haven't we run from the ones, our parents, or the ones who love us the most? Ran from the one who loved us thinking we had all the answers. Who are they to tell us what to do? We know better. Yet God was not content to leave you there. God came running after you. God became man. Luke 
In Luke 15, 3, Jesus tells this parable. He says, suppose one of you is telling about the father's heart and why he sent his very best son, his one and only son, his very best gift. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls all of his friends and family and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. See, God was not content to let you run away. He goes after you. He runs after you. He's still running after you. For unto us a child is born, fully man. Unto us a son is given, fully God. A child was born, a son was given for our what? Salvation. Redemption. God became man. We have complete assurance that because Jesus was fully God and fully man, he was able to bear our sins on the cross, redeeming us, adopting us, and paying the penalty for us. Robert Moore shared a story. He has a friend who's a judge, and actually the judge, his friend, shared this story with him. The judge said that he had a friend who came up to him and asked him to take care of a ticket for him. A few weeks later, this judge ran into his friend and he thanked him for dismissing the ticket. The judge says, oh, I didn't dismiss it. I paid it. And the friend quickly retorted, what? I didn't want you to pay it. I thought you could just, well, do your judge thing and dismiss it. The judge was puzzled and asked his friend, I'm sorry, were you guilty? His friend confessed, well, yes. Then the judge explained, then justice demanded that the penalty be paid. And if I'm a righteous judge, I can't dismiss the charges against you, but I can pay them myself. Do you understand? God did not dismiss your sin as if it was something that, again, he just picks out his big eraser and erases. No, he had to pay it. Justice demanded that the penalty be paid. And Jesus stood up and said, I'll go. I'll pay it for them. And God became man for unto you. You, for you. Jesus, fully God, fully man, the creator, became created. God became us to bring God to us, can now be God in us. Do you watch this video and then I'm going to come up and close.
today a Savior has been born. Did you see that? To you. To you. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Jesus born to love, born to heal, born to forgive, born to suffer and die in our place. But it wasn't finished in the grave. Restoration, redemption, and adoption happened at the resurrection. Because Jesus was born to save all who call on his name. And is that you today? I mean, before we go on to our busy lives and in this Christmas time and friends and family and again, commotion and and busyness of life takes over. Can we just pause a moment before you go? Let me ask you, is today your day to, to call on his name? Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait till you get your life right. That's just a struggle that you weren't meant to live. Remember the gift is him in you and he's got it all packaged up and ready to offer you what to be all and do all through you. You don't have to do this on your own. But it's a gift to you. He's a gift to you. To who? To all who want to call on his name. Are you ready to call on his name today? Can I ask you all to please just bow your head just for a moment. And let me ask that again. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand because I don't want you to leave without having a chance to pray with you. Are you ready to call on his name today? Are you ready to accept the gift, Jesus? The child born for who? For you. A son given for you. Paid the penalty for you. Gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. Are you ready to call on his name today? If that's you today, would you just raise your hand so I can see it? I want to pray with you. I don't want you to go out without having this assurance that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior today. Just raise your hand so I can see it. See your hand. I see your hand. What are you waiting for? He's ready to adopt you. And bring you in, redeem you, clean you up. Tuck you up under his wing. And call you son, call you daughter. Give you all those rights. What are you waiting for? Father, you've seen the hearts, you've seen the hands, you know the minds, you know the thoughts, God. You know if there's some in this room that they can't get that one thing out of their life that seems to be blocking their relationship with you, blocking their way to you. God, they think that that thing in some way is bigger than you. God, I just pray that you reveal yourself to them and show them the truth of who you are and what you've done and what you want to do in their life to them, for them. 
Lord, reveal yourself to them, God. And for those that raise their hand, God, I just pray right now as they just begin to, to just open up their mouth and accept you and confess you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that you would fill them with yourself, oh God. And let today be it, that new day. The old is gone. The old man is gone. The new has come. And they are a new man, a new son. Today, adopted into the family. Adopted the King of kings, Lord of lords, our heavenly Father. Redeemed and set free and whole. And fill them with the gift of your Holy Spirit to be all that you created them to be and to do all that you've asked them to do. Lord, be in them. If you would please just stand. And I want to close out the service by opening up the altars. And if I've got altar workers today, would you please come up to the front? There's a lot of people that have shared with us through the prayer chain and through just coming in today you've got sick families maybe you came in sick yourself maybe you you heard the testimonies of the financial blessings and you're saying i'll take that one i need help i need god you're struggling right now with finances don't leave without getting prayer don't look at your watch i closed in plenty of time so close the doors, Aaron. We're keeping them in, all right? Because they need to spend time at the altar. He is the reason for the season, to use the cliche. So why start the season without him? So let's just do that. Amy's going to, and uh, Summer, this girl over here. <laughs> Amy and Summer's going to play a song. Don't leave. I'll come back after this song while you're getting prayed for, people coming up to the altar, and I'll close in a prayer of blessing for you before you leave. So let's just open up the altars. If you've got sick family members, please come up, get prayed for. Financial miracle needs to happen in your life. Come, let's get prayed for.